Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word by Pastor Joe McTarsney. 1 Corinthians, reading verses 8 through 13. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now today we're going to be studying Paul's reminders to the body of Christ. And Paul lays out in these verses six reminders for the body of Christ. Back then, it was for the Corinthians in a very real and a practical way for us in the 21st centuries. They're for us. Six reminders for us from Paul as these words were inspired from the Holy Spirit of God. And these words are for us this day. So number one, number one, notice with me in verse eight. And we're going to see that where it says that love will never fail, but gifts will. Love will never fail, but gifts will. Notice with me in verse eight, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. So the different gifts, the different gifts as listed here in verse 8, whether it be the prophecies, whether it be the tongues, or whether it be the, the word of knowledge, they will all will vanish away. Now, why would that? Paul, why, why would they all vanish away? Well, because it's important to, to know, to be reminded of the fact that gifts are temporary. Gifts are temporary, but it is only love that will last forever into eternity. Gifts are temporary, but it's only love that will last into eternity as we love one another when when we all commune together in heaven and and love our Lord. Now, Paul is bringing this up because the the Corinthian church, during this time period, those Corinthians, our brothers and sisters, and and when we get to heaven, we'll interact with them and we'll say, boy, you Corinthians, man, you guys were naughty. We learned a lot of, uh, about your carnality, but we learned ab- about uh, their, their behavior so we won't repeat their behavior. And so their behavior is that they had an overemphasis on spiritual gifts at the expense of love. They had an overemphasis on spiritual gifts at the expense of love. It could be that they pursue the gifts because they love the attention that they receive when, when people will come um, around them and say, wow, the way you prophesy, you're just so spiritual and so amazing. 
may I kiss your ring? Or the way you give that word of knowledge, wow, I like how that sounds off your tongue when you give that word of knowledge. And, and so these different gifts that, that they were given, given out and, and they were actually competing against one another too, um, they, they were thinking that they were very mature in the Lord, but the reality is spiritual maturity is measured when we're loving people. When we're loving people, not necessarily um, displaying a gift. Because we already covered that um, and, and, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, that you could have this gift of, of prophecy or tongues or whatever it may be. But if it's not coded in love, if it's not oozing out of love, it, it's just like the drums. It's just you're just making noise. And so Paul is, is bringing out how it's important to, to show love. And specifically, what kind of love? What does love look like? Well, we covered that last week and from verses 4 through 7. Let's revisit that, verses 4 through 7. How love suffers long and it is kind and it does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endure all things, and love will never fail. You know, if the Corinthians, if the Corinthians have been patient people, kind people, not being envious or arrogant nor rude, not being selfish, thinking no evil of others, didn't delight in people's sin. They, if they rejoiced in truth, if they bore all things and believed all things and were hopeful individuals and, and having endurance, they will be fulfilling God's will for their life. And know how God wants them to, to live these attributes or the description of love from verses 4 through 7 out. God wanted them to live it out. But for us, this day in the 21st century, God wants us to live them out as well. People need love. People need love. That's the bottom line. People need love. Being loving is a big deal to God. Being loving is a big deal to God. For as Jesus even said in, in John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus said this. They will know that you are my disciples by your, your love. He didn't say that they will know you are my disciples by your gifts. Didn't do that. Didn't do that. So may we, in a very real way, in a very practical way, may we be people that, that passionately pursue love and desire gifts for the reason and for the only reason to be used by God so we could bring encouragement and advocation to our brothers and sisters that, that we get to love upon it and serve. So if it be that, that we want to come here first thing in the morning and, and we want to use the gift of service and the gift of helps and, and set things up because we know that, hey, people are going to come here on a Sunday morning and they're going to be sitting down and so we've got to get things arranged so they can hear the word of God so they could be encouraged in the things of the Lord so they could um, be reminded what Pastor Chuck Smith said, that everybody needs to be reminded every single Sunday that they're forgiven and that they're loved. And, that they, and then there will be others 
that, that want to serve in their, their area of security or, or, um, or parking ministry. So, so they were just making sure that, that our cars don't somehow disappear on property. And so that we could have peace of mind so our mind could focus in 100% on the word of God and on the worship of God. And so we, we have these different gifts that, that we use, but it's for a reason to give to other people on the behalf of Christ because we love them. I love you enough to pull cords. I love you enough to put a, a, a table, a chair. I love you enough to work CG, the sound, the display. I love you enough to do this. And it's all for love. Love for God and the people of God are, are the recipients of it all. And that should be the motive. That's why we do what we do. But you see, if we just do it for ourselves and we do it for our own satisfaction and we do it for the, the own praise of, of, of ourselves, we're doing it for the wrong reason. Now, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. I just had a conversation with someone this morning about that. I'm a believer that we should encourage um, people when we see that they do good uh, and we should uh, thank them. And um, and and that uh, of of what they're doing of what they're doing, and just to say, hey, I noticed that I noticed that how you are serving the Lord and and how you are faithful, and um, I just want to acknowledge that. Um, and and so, we're called to love others. We're called to love others, and 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 be very careful as we have these gifts. As we have these gifts, it's done to honor the Lord and to be a blessing to others. Now, secondly, Paul's um, second reminder that we see in verse 9 is that at this time in life, we only will have partial knowledge. We will only have partial knowledge. Notice with me in verse 9 where he says, for we know in part. So we know in part and we prophesy in part. So this side of heaven and this side of heaven, our knowledge and, and prophecies are partial at best. Our knowledge of information, whatever information it be, or, or prophecy, it, it is um, partial at best. And, and so as we are living life, we do need a prophetic word for those that, that have that gift. And I know um, there, there is a book written by uh, Billy Graham, and he was called a prophet, a, a prophet. And, and so Billy Graham and now even his son, Franklin Graham, and there's another man that I see too named Tony Perkins um, who, who addresses the nation at a, a, a annually a Watchman on the Wall conference in Washington, D.C. And the, these men have like the gift of prophecy. They, they, they have, they're kind of, they, they have their hand on the temperature of this nation and, and God has gifted them in that, that way. And, and it's good to listen to people like that um, as um, we don't know everything that's that's coming down the pipe and, and God has given them insight and and so we listen to those words and and so we we need that because we don't know everything we just have partial information or or we need to interact with people that may have the the the, the gift of, of knowledge the word of knowledge and and they're able to expound the word of God and we listen to the word of God because we want more knowledge because we're called to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and 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 we need that we need that gift because we only know things in Heart. And so, so we do currently need those two temporary gifts for, for our growth and for our wisdom as we are on our journey upward to be with the Lord. Now, the person that has those gifts, if it's the prophecy, if it's the, the gift of knowledge, um, and those just a, a, a few of the gifts that um, Paul mentions here, you know, we thank the Lord for those that have the gift, but we don't worship them. 
We worship the Lord that has given them those gifts because in the reality, what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 10, we are all unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. And so whatever duty the Lord has called you to do, whatever gifts that he has said, my son, my daughter, do this on my behalf. We do it. We say, yes, sir. I'm in the Lord to arm me. You're my commander in chief. But in addition to that, it's not only in a sense of a military, it's a love relationship. You're the lover of my soul. And, and, and I want to step up and I want to serve your people that you love, that you demonstrated your love for them so much that you went upon the cross and you died for them. You carried them so much that where you were in that garden of Gethsemane you prayed oh Lord is there any other way and, and then and then you Jesus said if there's no other way then, then thy will be done and, and, and you bled you, sh- you shed your, your blood on Calvary for people this world so people in this world are important and so so if I could come alongside and serve the people of the world that, that you love with the love that you place in my heart for them and the gifts that you have given to them I'm all in I'm doing. And so when we serve other people, it's so important that we serve other people with his love. It's the outer flow. It's the outer flow. So he flows, he works in us, and then it spills on other people. And that's why it's so important to, to kneel before the Lord each and every single day and say, Lord, Lord, I, I want to bless my wife, my husband, my family, my, my kids, Lord, with the overflow of your love. It's like if I had a glass of, of water and I'm just filling that, that, that glass and the water just spills out. That's what we want. Lord, fill my cup, fill my heart with your love so that love can spill out on other people. Lord, if you don't do it, they're going to get flesh. They're going to get someone that snaps, so, someone that's direct, so, someone that um, is lacking the patience. That that's lacking the long suffering, lacking the kindness, lacking you know what it says in verses four and seven, all lacking that. And Father, you have called me to to love others, for that is the greatest gift of all. That is the greatest gift, and and we're called to to pursue it. Notice chapter fourteen, verse one. Just uh, actually, it's the next verse, uh, chapter fourteen, verse one, where it says, "Pursue love." We're called to pursue love. So, so our takeaway from, from our service today, no, our service is not over right now, but our takeaway from our service today is to pursue love. Pursue it. Think, think of things that we're pursuing. You know, um, we know football season kicks off today, right? You're like, yeah, hurry up so I can get home and watch some good games. The, these guys, they're, they're pursuing to get that ball and take it to the other field at, at any cost, at any cost. Oh, how much more we as believers at any cost to be still know that he's God and pursue love, his love, and then spill that out on other loving people. Because when it's all said and done, I've said this before, when it's all said and done at your celebration life service, you want people to say that you were a loving person. You want that. And so the Lord, may the Lord just fill you with his love. And he does, and he will, and he will. Now the third reminder we see in verse 10 the third reminder of verse 10 that, that, that we see and that it's important to, to remember on a regular basis is that we're going to heaven. We're going to heaven, and we see this in verse 10. Notice with me verse 10 where it says, But when that which is perfect, that which is perfect has come. That is which is perfect has come. Then that which is in part will be done away with. So as we are in heaven, the gifts that were needed on earth, Paul says it will be done away with. We don't need them anymore. Nada. We don't need them anymore because they're going to be done away with. 
that which is perfect, we're going to be perfected. We're going to be in heaven. I can't wait to, to my sinful nature that's inside of me, that's still there, like Paul said in, in Romans 7. Man, the things that I want to do are not the things that I do. How I want to love my children, my wife, my grandkids, my family members, my neighbor, that boss. Yes, that boss. How I want to do that, but I don't do the things that I want to do. Lord, give me the strength. Help me, help me to do that. And that struggle that we have with this flesh and flesh things, that flesh. I can't wait where, it, where that delete button is going to be hit. Delete. That struggle is going to be gone. And we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be in heaven. And, and it's all gone. So be encouraged. Soon and very soon it's going to come. When we have... Um, Pastor Don Stewart come out uh, the, the last Sunday of, uh, of the month in December, and he gives us a proper prophecy update. And I love his prophecy updates as, as we enter in a, a new year. And, um, and he shares what's taking place um, in the, the world, in the United States and as well as the world, and how, how everything is just lining up. And the next item to take place on the biblical um, calendar uh, of prophecy is really the coming of Jesus. And so it's right around the corner. And that's why we're called to look up for your redemption draws nigh. And, and I just think a lot of times we're not looking up. We're looking at the situation. We're looking at the circumstances. And if you look at things with your natural eye, no wonder why you're bummed and discouraged and bummed out on a regular basis. Oh, look up. Look up. For we know that these things will be done away with as we are in heaven. Now, heaven is a perfect place for at least six, uh, for at least six reasons. Heaven is a perfect place for, less, for at least six reasons. Reason number one. Reason number one. We will have an unhindered, unrestricted time in the presence of the Lord. We're going to have an unrestricted time with the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to be in his presence. One of my favorite songs that, that, that I love and we sing in the church, and I know you have heard this song before, and this song goes, I can only imagine. You know that one song, I can only imagine? I think I'll just lead you in that worship song right now. No, okay. But let me just share some, some of the, the lyrics as I noted them down on my notes. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. What will my eyes see when your face is before me, surrounded by your glory. Will I dance before you, Jesus, or in awe of you, just be still? Or would I kneel or fall in your presence? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all in your presence? That's going to happen. I do encourage you to keep that in the forefront of your mind on a regular basis, especially when you're going through trials. Knowing that this too shall pass and me going to heaven shall come. This too shall pass. And I guarantee you, every trial that you're going through right now, it's going to pass. It is? Yeah, remember that one trial that you were going through? You know, the one 10 years ago? Now, kind of forgot about it. Well, remember when your life was just overwhelming, you think, I'm just overwhelmed, I'm not going to get through this? And now you forgot about it. The Lord's faithful. The Lord's faithful to walk you through the valley. He doesn't walk behind you. He walks with you through it. And you get through it. 
and so know on a, on a regular basis, you're going to heaven. So you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Secondly, heaven is a perfect place for at least six reasons. Secondly, the second reason is that we will be with our loved ones who have passed away, whom we miss so much. Your, your loved one, and maybe the, your loved one is coming to your mind right now as I have loved ones um, in heaven. Could you only imagine even the words that we, uh, I read about the lyrics of the, what it's going to be like in heaven? They're experiencing that. We can only imagine still here on earth. They're not imagining your mom, your dad, your son, your, your whomever. They're with Jesus. And where your treasure is, there goes your heart. And so heaven becomes even more dear. One, because we're going to be with Jesus. But secondly, our loved one is our treasure, right? And since they are a treasure, our heart is tied with them. And so our heart in a very real way is, is upward. It's, it's, it's heavenward. And, and that's your home. Paul makes it very clear that we are pilgrims. We're just cruising, man. We, we, we got our lowriders going on. We were just cruising through, through this land. It's not our home. Don't put your stakes down too tightly in the things of this world. It too shall pass. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall never pass away. That's the truth. And that truth, let it be your anchor. Anchor you. Love that word. The, 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 the description of an anchor, what it does, it stabilizes a boat and it stabilizes you. And that's what an anchor does. And you're going to be with your loved one. And they're just rejoicing. And when you get there, they're going to show you, oh, come. Oh, look, at, look at these angels right now. They're going, to, they're going to bow before Jesus right now. Oh, come over here. Look at that. Look down. You're not looking down. Do you see these streets of gold? And they're going to just show you around. And, oh, come. You Meet Peter. Oh, see that guy over there? That's Joseph. Yeah, once upon a time, he had a coat of many colors. That's, that's, that's Joseph. I think you could call him Joe for sure. <laughs> Number three, heaven is so perfect. Number three, because we're going to meet great men and women of God that has passed on before us, like Joe. We're going to see those pearly gates. Pearly gates, where is that reference to in Scripture? Well, of course, Revelation 21, 21. Revelation 21, 21 speaks about those pearly gates. Beautiful gates. In the Bible, there is a, there in, in, the, in the story of the, um, the, the beggar when he's um, begging at the, the, the golden gates, the beautiful gates there. And um, the description of it is just amazing. But even more so when we get to heaven, where we're going to see those pearly gates and um, how Jesus is going to be even more beautiful than that. Jesus is so beautiful. They don't need light in heaven. Jesus is the light of the world. He's light, his presence. And it's and you're there. Dude, you got your ticket. You're heaven bound. You're going there. Be encouraged. If everything just crushes and falls in your entire life and, and you get heaven, you win. You, you, you're heaven bound. You're there. Don't forget that. And number six, we will see the angels around the throne of God worshiping Jesus day and night. And I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to like move over angels. I want my space there. <laughs> I want my room. And that, that's going to happen. And that's what they're doing in heaven. So be reminded. Be reminded that we're going to heaven. And we're, 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 we're there. We're going to be there soon. Now, number four, the fourth reminder we see in verse 11, Paul desires us to constantly grow meanwhile. Meanwhile, as we are here living in this 
society that we're living in, we're, we're called to grow. Notice with me in verse 11, as an analogy of a child and a man is given. In verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. This life can be compared to childhood with our speech, our understanding, our thoughts. And they're, they're all limited. And when we get to heaven, the childish conditions will be a thing of the past. It will be a thing of the past. And meanwhile, let's grow. Let's grow in the knowledge of, of the Lord as much as possible. Remember, we're called to love God with all our mind. And so more our mind be engaged in Scripture and the things of God. We're called to love God with our heart, our strength, our whole being. And then in this context, in, in chapter 13, we're called to grow in those specific areas. What areas, and, and we, we covered this um, in the last couple of weeks, uh, especially in verses 4 through, through 11, what specific area that you think you need to grow in? Um, number one, is it um, kindness? Or is it patience? Or not being rude or not being arrogant? You know, you could just list them there, verses 4 through 11. You could just write the words there and just examine it. As we covered last week, hold that as a mirror to yourself and, and, and don't be overwhelmed. Tackle one a week. And just say, this week I'm going to tackle, um, I am going to tackle love, suffering, patience. Lord, this week, I'm by your grace, by your strength, because you would never ask me to do something that you wouldn't give me the empowerment to do, I pray that this week you help me with patience, Lord. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to deal with impatient people. That's how it works. And pixie dust just doesn't come upon your head. And you're like, okay, thank you, Tinkerbell. You know, I'm like, I'm a patient person. No. It's, it's when the, you want to bite that tongue. It's when, when you want to be impatient. When you're dealing with someone, a, a, a sibling, a spouse, a child, a teacher, whatever it be. And you're like, God, help me to be patient. And then you start exercising patience. And, and it's beautiful. And we, we thank the Lord. And they may think you're nuts and you're crazy. You're like, why are you thanking the Lord? Because God is using you to cause me to have, be patient. And like I, I mentioned before, uh, David, he became that, that godly man. And we love reading the book of Psalms, right? You know how he became that godly man? Because of a person named Absalom. Because of a person named Saul. God used human beings to fashion him to be a godly person. That's how it happens sometimes. Of course, in, in conjunction with the scriptures, of course, in conjunction with teachings, in in, it's in conjunction with small groups. All that's all work together for, for our growth. But may we continue, may we continue to, to grow. The Lord wants us to grow. The Lord doesn't want us to be stagnant Christians, but growing Christians. You know, another way we can measure if we're growing, if we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. Even as a young child, as this verse um, highlights a young child, even as a young child, some of you have had a, a, a young child and, and uh, or grandson or granddaughter. Uh, when they start to walk, you remember that day? I never forget when, when uh, my kids uh, began, to, began to walk. You know, they, you, you, you see them kind of get up and then they fall down. They get up and fall down, and we're like, bring, bring the camera. <laughs> Record this. 
then they finally get up. And then what do we do? We extend our hands, right? We extend our hands. And one aspect that I love about children is they have a way to focus their eyes on you, on you. Now, of course, there's, there's a couple that just kind of look around everywhere. But for the most part, they just like look at you. You, you are in front of them. Remember that day? You have your hands extended to them. And they have their hands out, and they just start to walk towards you. And um, then they look on you. And so they're locking their eyes on you. And then when they get a little bit older, it, it is true. They start to mimic your walk. You ever seen a son and, and, a, and I mean, a, a father and a, and a son kind of walk together? <laughs> There's a resemblance in a very real way. And then, in addition to that, and more importantly, they follow our ways of life. They follow our ways of life. One way that we can measure our growing in the Lord is, are we mimicking Jesus and keeping our eyes locked and focused on him? We're called to do so. The book of Hebrews speaks about that. To keep your eyes on Jesus, the Arthur and the finisher of our faith, the beginning and the end. One word that can describe the whole book of Hebrews is drifting. If we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, we will drift. This world, it, it is um, causing us, it's screaming for attention left and right. Got to keep up on social media. What's this person doing? And kind of get, feel okay, I'm kind of I'm, I'm good that I know what was taking place in the social world with the people that, that I know. Okay, then got to keep up with, with, with life and what's going on in, in my world. And, and, oh, this is taking place. And then you throw in sports or activities there or the demands of, of work and uh, family and cleaning and chores and whatever may take place. And we're only one person. We only have so much energy. And, and normally our energy level from like 5 in the morning till um, like 11, it's at peak level. It's um, picture it like being on full. And then you get from that noon to like 4 o'clock. Okay, we're starting into to empty. And, and then, um, and then we, we turn out for, for the night and, and we're just exhausted. We're just exhausted. And, and, and as we are exhausted, um, it's important to rest and, and to get our nourishment from the Lord. It's important that we come apart so we don't fall apart. And so we come apart and spend time with the Lord. And then we abide in him so we can walk like him. First John chapter 2, verse 6. First John chapter 2, verse 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk as he walked. And so may we constantly grow. May we mimic Jesus. May we keep our eyes on him. And as we follow him, as we rest in him, and the, the word abiding really speaks about resting. It's about resting, and um, it, it's almost like a, 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 like if I had an apricot and I just kind of cut it open, and you you get that you see that seed in there, that that homeboy seed is just resting. It's not striving; it's just resting. It's just resting, and and um, and so what we're called to do is rest in the grace of God, rest in the Lord, and and He will He is your strength of your life. No. We see the fifth reminder, the fifth reminder, verse 12. We see the, first, the fifth reminder, verse 12. We see that on earth, we see things in part. On earth, we see things in part. Notice that with me in verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. 
now I know in part. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So here in verse 12, Paul uses an example of a mirror. And he uses this as an example of a mirror because during that time period, they would understand what he was referring to. In our time period, it, 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 it may not make sense, but in Paul's day, it made perfect sense. You see, in the ancient world, mirrors were made out of a polished metal. Mirrors were made out of a polished metal, and the image would always be unclear and somewhat distorted. Their mirror couldn't really give a clear vision or a clear look. So Paul is saying, when we get to heaven, we're going to see Jesus face to face. When we get to heaven, we will see things clear in a clear way, and we will have complete understanding, and we shall thoroughly know, and we shall thoroughly be known. We will be in a, in a state of perfection when we get to heaven. Sinful nature is done. It's gone away with and, and, and we will know everything that we're supposed to know when we get to heaven. And, and may that truth strengthen our faith as we live here on earth. We see things in a dimly fashion. We don't fully comprehend or see things in its entirety. And we don't have all the answers. That's why when we're confronted with situations we don't understand, it's important to fall back on what we do understand. And what do I understand? That my God is with me. That my God is, loves me. That I can't make sense of this, this tragedy. I can't make sense of why this is happening to my family. I can't make sense of, of why this is happening and, and it's not happening to my neighbor across the street. You know, I look through the window and I shouldn't be looking through the window, but I look through the window. It looks like they, they have a whole perfect family. It's like they have their blanket out and their their. Um, Yard and, and they're having a tea party and like, I can't even keep my kids together. and They're together and it's just not right. And, and we're believers and not even believers. And, and so we, sometimes things just don't make sense this side of heaven. But we know that one day it will. One day it will, it will all make sense. God doesn't make mistakes. He does not make mistakes. Meanwhile, we choose to trust the Lord with everything. With everything, Romans, Romans 8, 28. And I want to zero in on two words that maybe you haven't zeroed in on before. Romans 8, 28. And we know that, here are the two words, in all. We know that in all, in all, in all things work for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So the question is, honestly, do you love the Lord? Yes, I love the Lord. I love my Lord. Where can I go and have these words of eternal life given to me from my Lord? I love my Lord. And you know as you love the Lord, and he says, in all these things. Now, I don't know why this is happening to your family. I don't know. And someone can't pretend that they know either. We just, we just don't know. We see things in a dimly fashion. We look in the mirror and we can't clearly see. We can't make sense of it. And those first responders that, that, that we have in our room, and, and we know we, we, we are called to situations and, and, and tragedies, and we have no answers. We have no, no, no answers at all. 
I was dispatched recently to to a horrible situations and 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 the the, the um, I just I did the chaplaincy service and the, and the definition of chaplaincy is the ministry of presence. I don't. It's not the ministry of words necessarily. It's it's there and 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 one of the shortest verses in the Bible is Jesus wept. And a lot of times we just by you weeping and you caring speaks volumes and speaks words. And so we don't know why things happen. We don't know why. But we do know this. I love the Lord and in and, and all these things. This is that's part of the in all of these things. So what's going on, you could just put it in that category. That's part of the in all these things. And God will work it out. And when we get to heaven, we will make sense of it. We will, we will see it in perfection. We, we will know and we'll be known. We will we'll get it like the aha moment will go off. The light bulb will, will, will start shining like, ah, oh, I get it. Lord, I needed this. I, I, I needed to go through this. I needed this thorn in my side, if you will, because what if I had never came to salvation if this didn't happen? And would it, it profit a man that he would have gained the whole world and forfeit his own soul? And, and I know me, and I would have been that man totally. I know me. I would have been that man. But God, I welcome it. If it's your will, I welcome it, Lord. I welcome with open arms. But would you please help me through it too? And he does. He's faithful. Lastly, the sixth reminder in verse 13, the sixth reminder that, that Paul speaks about is to be reminded about faith, hope, and love are important, but love is the greatest. Notice in verse 13 with me. And now abide. Abide, or, or the word abide means to rest. Rest in your faith, in your hope, and in your love. These three. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love are so important. As we see these scriptures emphasized throughout the New Testament, for example, we, we see it emphasized in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God. Our Father, everything is in His sight. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eight. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eight. Let us, let us, who are of the day, that's us. We're part of the day. We're called to be sober-minded, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of our salvation. Galatians chapter five, verse five and six. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of resurrection, the righteousness of faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. 1 Peter 1.21, 1 Peter 1.21, who through him believed in God and raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And lastly, Colossians 1, 4, and 5. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, faith, hope, and love. 
Why is faith important? Faith is important because faith causes us to look back. We look back. We are saved by, by, by God's grace through faith. We look back. Faith allows us to, to embrace Jesus' work for us on the cross. Faith reminds us that my sins are forgiven. That sin you're dealing with, it's forgiven, and God wants to forgive you of that sin. We have hope that we hold on to. Hope is an anchor for our soul. Hope looks ahead. Hope looks ahead. Hope tells us that Jesus is coming. Hope tells us that there's more to this world than what we see with our eyes. Hope reminds us that I don't have to be insecure about the future. Hope reminds me that I could be secure in the future because I'm heaven bound. And as important as faith and hope are, Paul does single out love. He highlights love. He emphasizes love. Love is the greatest of all the human qualities. And why is that? Well, maybe too, because love is an attribute of God. 1 John 4, 8. Love is an attribute of God. 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. So as we are coming to a conclusion this morning, may love be our motive in our goal in life. What's your goal in life? They say, what's your five-year plan? What's your one-year plan? It's being loving. That's it. Being loving, specifically verses 4 through 8 of 1 Corinthians. I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I want to be long-suffering. I don't want to be puffed up with arrogance. I, I, I want to cover sins. I, I want to encourage other people. I want to be a Barnabas and, and, and encourage others. For if we lose love, if we don't pursue love, we lose everything. We then become cynical people, sour people, critical people, judgmental people, pessimistic people. And God does not want us to live our short life on earth with that kind of unloving behavior. And it's so sad to say majority people live that way, even ministers. And that is why we need the empowerment of the Spirit of God because it's not easy. It's not easy when we encounter sin to become so jaded. We could become jaded. We could become jaded, and God doesn't want us to be jaded. He wants us to have faith, hope, and love as we interact with other human beings who have a free will. But what they choose, I'm going to override with love because that's my choice. You could hurt me, I'm going to override it with love. And we choose love by God's spirit and by God's grace to be loving people. And if we practice love, it will save us from the misusing of gifts. We practice love. It will save us from strife and division within the body of Christ. We practice love. We'll love that church down the street that has the emphasis of Christianity and the essentials of Christianity. If we practice love and we don't get territorial. May it be that the greatest desire for our short life on earth is reflect the love of Christ to other people. May that be our heart this week. Let's go out and let's love others. Amen.